Alexander Badgett, and you're listening to The Bankster Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to the fascinating and ever more consequential world of central banking. Now, each Federal Reserve Bank is responsible for distributing the paper currency into circulation. And as we learned back in episode two of season one, our second episode ever, the Treasury Department of the United States government prints the money and then the Federal Reserve distributes it. Every summer, the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors sends a currency print order to the Treasury Department. This happened just two weeks ago, telling them how much paper currency they would like for the following calendar year. So, the order for 2019's money includes over 7.4 million notes, or 7.4 million bills, worth over $230. Of those 7.4 million bills, if you're curious, uh, 2.1 million were for the $1 bill, so that was the biggest portion of the bills, Uh, 1.8 million for 20s and 1.6 million for 100s. And interesting little side note about the 100s, most of those will end up overseas. Um, But anyways, the money will be printed in either Washington, D.C. or Fort Worth, Texas, and then delivered to one of the 12 Federal Reserve Banks. That is a lot of cash. And remember from, uh, from another episode from Season 1, if you look at the letter and number just below the serial number on the front of your money you will see which Federal Reserve Bank actually distributed this money. So if it's A1, that's Boston, B2, New York, 7G, Chicago, um, 12 is San Francisco. You can look the rest up on my website. Safeguarding this money until it is picked up by local and international banks is one of the most important jobs at the Federal Reserve. But it begs the question, has the Fed ever been robbed? Well, I'm going to answer that today. I'm working on a number of great upcoming shows, and seeing the currency print order come out the week before last, I decided to rerun a story I did last year about the Chicago mob's attempted robbery of the Federal Reserve. For those of you that are registered for the show notes, you'll get an email this weekend summarizing the last two episodes and links to all of the great resources used. For those of you not registered, you really should do it. It's a great community www.thebanksterpodcast.com Okay, on to the robbery. Prohibition was nearing its end in the United States in the early 1930s. The decade-long ban of the sale of alcohol had given tremendous rise to organized crime all over the country. But Chicago stood out as especially infamous. This was the age of Al Capone, Tommy Guns, and speakeasies. And the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, it's a 17-story building with impressive Corinthian columns, and it was completed in 1922, so right at the beginning of Prohibition. Uh, it sits to this day, on the corner of Jackson and LaSalle, at the heart of Chicago's financial district. Our story begins a short block west of the Fed on Jackson Street, at just after midnight on the morning of September 22, 1933. 
Five gangsters of the Barker Carpus gang sat in a Hudson sedan, waiting and watching. The car had been outfitted with bulletproof glass windows and a specially designed exhaust that spewed dark smoke when the gangsters wanted to cloud and escape. Uh, Their moment had finally arrived. They had received a tip about a transfer that would be happening early in the morning of the 22nd. Alvin Karpis sat in the driver's seat with Fred and Doc Barker beside him. George Ziegler and Brian Bolton were also in the car with their Thompson submachine guns loaded, the infamous Tommy guns. Karpis pulled the car forward when they saw the door to the Federal Reserve Bank open and four men walk out into the night. Two security guards and one man pushing a wheelbarrow stacked high with hefty bags. Carpus pulled the car up to the bank and abruptly stopped in front of the man with the wheelbarrow. Fred and George hopped out of the car with their Tommy guns loaded to fire. Within a minute, they had grabbed the big bags out of the wheelbarrow and thrown them in the car without any shots fired. Carpus hit the gas and accelerated north. They zigzagged west and north a few blocks until they reached Adams Street at which time they hooked a left and zoomed over the Chicago River. The streets were mostly empty at this early hour of the night, and the gangsters blew through the first five five blocks west of the river. But just as they were making a right to go north on Halstead Street, they slammed straight into an oncoming Ford Coupe. The accident threw their car into a telephone pole on the west side of the street. But as the glass from the accident was still falling, two Chicago policemen making their nightly rounds happened to be coming up on that very intersection. Seeing the accident, one of them ran up to the Ford Coupe from which they had heard women screaming. The other officer, Miles Cunningham, headed towards the Hudson, unknowingly taking his last few steps. Doc Barker saw Officer Cunningham coming over and yelled out, Cop! At which point, Brian Bolton aimed his Tommy gun and fired a round of shots right into Officer Cunningham, killing him instantly. The gangsters all hopped out of their car and commandeered another vehicle that had pulled up just after the accident. A few of them began unloading the heavy Federal Reserve bags from the crashed car into the newly stolen one. Uh, The others covered them by opening fire on the other policemen. When the second car of the night was full... They took off again, southbound this time. Uh, The gangsters left the policemen and the passengers in the other car shocked and terrified, uh, but they were luckily unhurt. However, during the street-side shootout, one of the gangsters must have been injured because there was actually fresh blood found at the car, uh, the gangster's original car, afterwards. Now, to their utmost dismay and frustration, the gangsters made it only two miles south to about 21st Street before their second car of the night ran out of gas. Once again, they jumped out of the car, flagged down another passing car with their Tommy guns, and moved the merchandise. Now in car number three for the night, Carpus took off. They made it to their destination, a garage on the southwest side of the city. And I can only imagine the frustration that they were feeling as they unloaded the heavy bags they had stolen from the Federal Reserve. The escape plan had not gone as planned. However, I'm sure they were anxious to open the bags and count the money that they had stolen. I don't know if they untied the bags or or if they cut into them, but that anxious excitement to count the money they thought would make them rich quickly dissipated as they saw the content of the bags. They were full of 
Now listen to this. They were full of newspapers, mail, and old checks. No kidding. Turns out the tip they'd gotten about the big payout transfer scheduled for September 22nd was not as solid as they thought. Now, none of these gangsters, uh, unfortunately, were ever charged for this crime. Alvin Karpis uh, would be the final FBI-designated public enemy number one. Uh, He was captured and arrested by J. Edgar Hoover himself in New Orleans almost three years after the robbery of the Fed in Chicago. He spent 26 years in the Alcatraz prison in uh, in the San Francisco Bay, uh, the longest person to serve there. A few years later, in 1939, Doc Barker was also captured and sent to Azkaban. He, along with three other inmates, attempted escape. Uh, They sawed through the prison bars, climbed the high wall, and made it to the sea. Uh, But they didn't make it far before they were pushed back by the tide. Uh, So while on the shore of the island prison, while hastily attempting to make a raft from scraps of wood on the beach, guards from the tower above fired on them. Uh, Doc was shot in the head and died shortly thereafter from the wound. Uh, So that's two of the five down. Uh, Doc's brother, uh, Fred, died in an incredible gun battle with the FBI in Florida in 1935. He and his mother, Ma Barker, kept up the gunfight for over five hours before they were both shot and killed. Uh, Brian Bolton, uh, captured in January of 1935, is suspected as having had a hand in giving the information to the FBI about the whereabouts of Fred and Ma Barker. Uh, the final gangster from that night, uh, George Ziegler, well, he was actually the first to go. He was shot by fellow gangsters in a drive-by shooting in Chicago in March of 1934. Ooh, boy, oh boy. Uh, honestly, Hollywood could not have written a more intense bank robbery, Chicago gangster scene, than this one. So, Despite the billions and billions of dollars in cash that the Federal Reserve holds, this unbelievably true event from 80 years ago stands as the only time a Federal Reserve bank has been robbed. And all of the gangsters got out of it was 50 pounds of old newspapers and mail. If you haven't already, you really should sign up for the show notes. Every episode, I send out an email summary of all the key points and takeaways from the show, as well as links to more information and a few bonus content. In the show notes to today's episode, I'll include some of the incredible sources I used during the making of this episode. I owe most of the content to an article on the front page of the Chicago Daily Tribune from September 23rd, 1933 a police memorial to Officer Cunningham, and a few pages from a book called Public Enemies by Brian Burroughs. As always, send in your comments and questions about the Central Verse or the Bankster Podcast in general via email, alexander at thebanksterpodcast.com, or Twitter or Facebook. Open up your phone now and leave a review of the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening to at this moment. It's honestly the best way to help others hear this incredible story of the one and only robbery of the Federal Reserve. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Alexander Badgett. I dedicate this episode to the fallen police officer, Mr. Miles Cunningham. And to everybody else, thanks for listening. I'm Alexander Badgett, and I'll see you next time on The Bankster Podcast. Podcast.